Welcome everyone to our Patient Centre Medical Home Thursday lunchtime webinars. We believe this is number 11, so there's quite a library there if anyone wants to go and look at the back catalogue so you can uh, hear them as podcasts. Is probably the easiest way to do it from our website. But today we're joined by Taya Prescott and we're talking about health literacy and she's been doing some really interesting work in this area, in our area. But as many people need to start out by saying, well, exactly what does it mean? What is health literacy? That's a great question, Dan, and thank you for having me today in your webinar. Um, so there are two ways we can look at health literacy. One of them is individual health literacy, and that's the definition on the bottom of the screens there. And it's really about an individual person's ability to access information, understand, and then take that final step to act on that health information. So it's about a person's individual reading and writing and numeracy skills. What we're really looking at in Northern New South Wales is changing how we communicate as organisations, as health professionals, um, general practitioners and nurses to improve the way that we communicate so that people can understand and act on our information regardless of their individual level of health literacy. So it's not just the same as your reading ability and your numeracy ability, it's something more which is of your ability to make sense of it in a way that lets you gain a benefit from your health encounter. Um, Making Gaining benefit from the health system doesn't always happen. So how big a problem is this? That's a great question, and this is the statistic that we're given by um, the National Statement on Health Literacy, that over 60% of Australian adults don't have the level of health literacy needed to use and understand day-to-day -day health information. And that's exactly what you said, Dan, taking benefit out of that information. So when we say day-to-day -day health information, it's things like reading a nutrition label on the side of a cereal packet and working out in that moment which one is the healthiest cereal for your family or putting together information on the side of a kid's bottle of Panadol, so a table and some written information to work out the correct dosage. And we know that things like abbreviations, so the word TSP, the abbreviation, is often mistaken for a tablespoon instead of a teaspoon, and that can be a really big safety issue that can be really easily fixed by changing, writing out the word in full. So I remember a study that was done in the renal unit in Darwin where they were very keen to try and make sure that the Aboriginal patients they were working with understood what was going on. Someone did some surveys of that and counted the number of bits of information that transacted in the consultation and then looked at the recall afterwards of the patient and their carer, their, their, their partner or their, was with them, and it was like 10% was actually retained information. That's really interesting because we, we're also told that this. Uh, in America, studies have shown that around 40 to 80% is forgotten immediately. So that would mean that there's about that 20% of information that is actually forgotten as soon as people walk out or that only 20% of information, sorry, is retained. So if people are forgetting 80% of information as soon as they walk out of our surgery, well, that's definitely a problem. And that gap is what we're trying to address. So how can we go about doing that? There's a few ways we can do it. And the first way is by recognising who's at risk of health of low health literacy um, and what it's linked to. So we know that health literacy can be linked to things like poorer health outcomes. It can also mean more adverse events. So things like um, incorrectly taking medication or re preventable readmissions to hospital. 
It's all, low health literacy is also linked to lower uptake of preventive health services, and in particular, that's things like cancer screening and immunisation, which we know are problems in our region. And we also know that people with low health literacy can spend a lot more money on health services they spend. In America, the studies show they spend up to $4,000 more a year on health services. And it's also more costly for the health system with lots of preventable readmissions and adverse events. So one of the frustrations I have as a clinician is when I think I've explained something or I think a person understands something and then their self-care just isn't happening. So you're saying that a lot of the time it's actually because they never actually got it as I think they got it. Absolutely. And I think we, in the old days, we used to talk about things like non-compliance, but when we actually look at um, and analyse the ways that we're providing people information and the language that we're using in that information, we can see that we're setting up some barriers straight away to people actually taking those actions that we thought we had explained really clearly. I do just have um, a quick list of factors that impact on people's health literacy. Um, and the reason I wanted to point this out is because lots of these groups are overrepresented in our region. We know that we have an ageing population. We know that we have um, a higher representation of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in our region than the rest of New South Wales. And we know we have pockets of um, really severe socioeconomic disadvantage. And all of these things can impact on people's health literacy and can mean that that 60% statistic that I spoke about before, in our region, it could actually be a bit higher than that. And the last thing on the list is um, health context. And that's because if somebody is quite anxious or stressed or even um, in discomfort, then their health literacy at those moments can be much lower. So if somebody, um, for example, is worried that the, their parking is going to run out or they had um, a bit of trouble finding the service and they arrive for their appointment already a bit anxious, then that can mean that the information we're giving them in the course of that appointment is not able to be taken in and let alone retained and recalled later as we'd like it to be. So that's like learning happens better when you're in a relaxed or happy state of mind. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so it's a big problem. It's a real problem. It's here. It's a clear and present danger, as they'd say in the movies. What are we going to do about it? There's a few things that we can do. And really what we're looking at is balancing what we're asking people to do, so the demands of the health system, with the skills that people are bringing to our interactions. And the biggest thing that we can do, the single most important thing, is dropping the jargon. And that's things like not using acronyms. I know that we often um, scatter them throughout and people kind of walk out and have to Google and look up um, what we were talking about or even directions where we might be sending people. We know that community health is just up the road or um, the medical imaging is right around the corner. But people, if they haven't been to the service, if they're not familiar with what it might entail, can really struggle to comprehend all of those things. So really looking at how we're speaking, the language that we're using from the point of view of people who aren't familiar with health services, and that can have a really big impact on understanding. Another thing we can do is checking the health literacy of any materials that we're giving to patients, and on your screen here is an example of a plain language uh, recall um, letter for a mammogram. This is something we've developed, and it's available on the Women's Cancer Screening Collaborative website which we can share the link with you afterwards. 
Um, and you can notice there's a few things in there. There's information about cost and we know that if we put that in and if there is a cost, provide people with a number to phone beforehand and discuss that without having to have that conversation in front of a busy waiting room, it actually improves people um, coming to their appointments. The same with adding things like a map and a really plain language explanation of what people need to do, the action that we want people to take. You'll notice that that's right up the top of the letter. So we can look at this um, across all of our patient materials. And the other thing we can do is look at signage. So this is something, um, these are some signs that were at uh, the Byron Central Hospital and we actually walked through the facility with consumers and you can see straight away that things like oral health, people were looking for dental or their dentist appointment and so oral health on that sign was confusing. So for a really low cost, we've actually been able to update lots of these signs. Um, I might have thought the ambulatory care centre's a bit vague and difficult too. Yep, exactly. So that's often referred to as community health in other facilities. And so we can update, we've been able to update that as well so that it's what people have been actually looking for. It marries up with the referral that people have in their hands. We've also... So, yeah, let, let's think about what we can do in our, in our general practices as we're aiming to make our general practices work from a patient-centred care point of view. Sure, there's lots of different um, tools that we've developed as part of the Health Literacy Project to try and make it really easy to make these changes. This is the link to the Health Literacy website and you can just Google Northern New South Wales Health Literacy to find this. If you go into Learn and the Health Professionals section, there's lots of different resources in there. And one of those is this checklist for designing consumer-friendly health information. It's basically 12 steps. It's really easy to go through and you can sit down and um, look at a letter that we're sending out to patients, any brochures or um, even information sheets that we're printing out for people and just check it off against these criteria. And it gives us a really good idea of whether we've got some barriers to understanding in there. And even um, as simple as things like uh, if when things are photocopied that the font doesn't come out clearly and so people with vision. So that website, health literacy at northern New South Wales, lhd.health.newsouthwales.gov.au, is open to the public. So it all is. of us can access it. Yes, everyone can access it. There is also on there a library of health information that we've developed according to this checklist. And if you sign in, if you go to the register link at the top and register, I'll give you access. And any um, uh, health professionals across northern New South Wales can access that library and we'll be building on that. So things like templates for recall and reminder letters. Um, we've got some asthma and diabetes action plans. They're all up there on that in that library. Any other tools for this job? The, you might notice that um, the first thing on the checklist was checking the uh, reading grade level. That's something that's really important. And what we aim to do is write at a grade six to eight reading level so that the um, most number of people can understand and that's aiming for to reach that 60% of people that we spoke about earlier. There are a few ways we can really easily check this. The Hemingway app is an online tool. This is what it looks like, and you've got the web address up the top there. And you can see it highlights um, any sentences in red that are really hard to read, and then yellow is a bit easier to read, and it's got that reading grade level just in that top right-hand corner there. So it's a great way you can edit the text in this app 
and make sure just have a, at a glance see how you're going with that reading so you, level. you copy and paste your text into the website effectively into the app exactly yes you just um if you have a pdf or a word document you can just highlight it copy and paste it into here Okay. Really easy one to use. The other trick we can do is use Microsoft Word to check the reading grade level. All we do is go to Word Options and Proofing, you can see on your screen here, Show Readability Statistics is the box right down the bottom. If you tick that and hit OK, then every time you do a spell check, it'll come up with this Readability Statistics box at the end. And you can see the Flesh Kincaid grade level down the bottom is the one that we're after. Great. And have we got any local stories of this being successful? Um, absolutely. We've been doing a few different things, um, particularly with the Women's Cancer Screening Collaborative. So some of the things that we've worked on are looking at the particular barriers to the screening, um, whether it's breast screening or um, cervical screening. And we've come up with some plain language fact sheets that help dispel some of the myths that are the most common reasons that women are saying um, we're not, we haven't screened for this reason. So that plain language is really important. Um, and the other thing we've done is implemented those recall and reminder letters for the screening and started looking at all of our health information that goes out. So there's lots of different brochures and lots of them are actually in health pathways now. We've been checking that the reading grade level is suitable and only um, putting information in health pathways that actually meets that checklist that we spoke about earlier. So you'll start to notice um, if you're using health pathways that all of those links um, are becoming more and more um, patient-friendly. That's great, Taya. So for those of us who are in the North Coast Primary Health Network area, we can get a bit of extra help from you because you work for us as well as working for the local health district. For those who are in other parts of the world, uh, perhaps your local primary health network can link you in to some health literacy expertise if you need some additional help. Absolutely. Is there any other advice you can offer if people need extra help? Sure. If you do need extra help, you can always get in touch with me um, through the primary health network, North Coast Primary Health Network. Um, I can do on-site workshops around northern New South Wales, but I can also um, do some teleconferencing and things like that if you've got a specific document you're looking at and just wanting to get a bit of advice on it. Thanks very much, Taya. So that's a wrap for today's Lunchtime Patient Centre Medical Home webinar. We look forward to catching up with you in a fortnight where we'll bring some more useful ways to improve our health system at a local practice level. See you then. Browse our website for more information or get in touch to find out more about patient-centred medical homes.